Like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old, your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today. Faithful you have been, and faithful you will be. Let yourself to me, and it's why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, and ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, and ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, and ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, and ever be on my lips. You, Father, the orphan, kindness makes us whole, and you shoulder our your strength becomes our own. Now you're making me like you, clothing me in white, bringing beauty from ashes. For you will have your bride, free of all her guilt, and rid of all her shame, known by her true name. And it's why I sing. because you you died the death we deserved you you walked in our shoes so father we praise your name holy are you lord father we love you we thank you for your cross that you loved us so much that you died on that cross god we thank you in jesus name
We get to do that forever in heaven. One more hand for our great God. Huh? What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome God. You may be seated, please. This morning, uh, as part of our worship time, we are going to, we're going to dedicate one of the children of our church. In our church, we baby dedicate. We dedicate our babies to the Lord. And what that means is we're actually dedicating the child, that we'll raise the child in 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 an environment where he can, he or she can find faith, where, where she can find the Lord. And so uh, that's what this is all about this morning. And this morning, Josh and Stephanie Wyckoff, I'm going to ask them to come up. They are bringing this morning Christine Leah, and uh, she was born on November 7, 2017. Can we give them a hand this morning? And her big sister, Cadence, about 14 months older. Cadence, we're glad to have you as well. Good morning. She was dedicated not terribly long ago here in the service. And this morning, Josh and Stephanie have come to dedicate Christine to the Lord this morning. And so uh, for, in the first hour, we, uh, we were able to, to, to do this. And we, we had uh, Jim's parents were here. And a lot of, um, I'm sorry, Josh's parents, Jim was here. And uh, this morning in this service, your mom is here, right? And so where's your mother at? I want her to stand up, all right? God bless you. Let's give her a hand. We thank you, man. We love grandparents. And uh, actually, you have a whole bunch of people here. If you're here with these guys this morning, would you stand up? Family with these guys? Oh, my goodness. They took it over. Let's give them a hand, man. All right? You may be seated. Uh, what, what happens with a baby dedication is it's actually a tradition from in the Old Testament, and Jesus was dedicated. Uh, his parents brought him before the temple, and they dedicated him to the Lord. And so what we see is in 1 Samuel chapter 1, there was a lady named Hannah, and Hannah was barren, and she begged, she cried to the Lord, God, please give me a child. And when she, when she went to the temple to, to pray, uh, she was praying before the priest. The priest saw her praying. She, uh, he thought that she was drunk. All right, so she was so overwhelmed with emotion because she wanted a child. And I know that's been your heart. You guys have prayed and prayed and prayed, and God gave you cadence, and God has now given you Christine. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to dedicate them, but I just want you to know what, what she did. When she brought her son, Samuel, to the, to, before the Lord, this is what she did. She says this, 1 Samuel 1.22, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And that's what we're doing this morning. Uh, Josh and Stephanie, you've come this morning to, to say that it is your, your desire to raise your children to know Jesus. And uh, we are so thankful for parents like you in our church. We're thankful to ha- for the responsibility that, uh, that's been laid on you by the Lord. But we're also thankful for the responsibility that we have as a church 
to point these children to Jesus Christ. Not just as babies, but for, for the next 25 years, for the next rest of their life. We want to be a community that comes around them and encourages them and points them to Jesus Christ. One day, our prayer is that Christine will come to know Jesus. Today, she's a baby. She doesn't, she's, she doesn't even know my name yet, right? And, uh, and so she is, uh, she's, she's a beautiful child. And as she grows, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, says that Jesus grew in all ways like we did. And so as she grows, she will one day come to that point in her life where she has an opportunity to accept Jesus. And we pray that God will do that for both of your children at a young age. So I've asked Courtney, before I pray, to come up. Courtney is our children's ministry director, and she has a gift for you this morning. And so this is Rhonda's mic. We'll go ahead and use that. Good morning. So I'm a visual learner, so when I saw that um, our curriculum made these legacy marbles, I just thought they were super cool. Because what it is, it's a visual representation of how many weeks we have to really make our time count with these kids. And so as they stand before you, it's like Ken said, it's our responsibility. We're saying, yes, we're going to help you raise these kids and introduce them to Jesus. So these marbles, there's about a thousand marbles in this bag. And um, it's to represent 936 weeks from birth to graduation. And it goes quickly. So obviously you put that in the jar and each week you take one out. And then they have really cool special ones for, you know, when they go to school, when they make the decision on their own to um, ask Jesus into their life, when they get baptized, you know, all kinds of stuff, when they start driving. And as crazy as it sounds with them so little and precious right now, you know, I have one graduating right now this year. It's crazy. So it happens quickly, but the church is here to support you, to teach the kids about Jesus, and we're just, it's, a, it's an honor. So it says, count your weeks so you can make your weeks count. Every day matters. So I'm just, welcome them, and I'm so excited because it's more kiddos for us downstairs that we just love to love on, right? It's exciting. And we'll have it. That's exciting. You know, what a privilege. We are honored in this church to be able to take young people. God is entrusting us with young people because we're preparing for it. Uh, We have a team of people downstairs, Courtney, and all those, so many people. We have an army of volunteers that are prepared every Sunday. They come in, they love, they care, they serve faithfully. And we're prepared, and we're opening up our hands and saying, Lord, give us young people. You know what God's doing? He's giving us young families. And, and there's young people everywhere. And so now we have other problems. Like we have to expand nursery space. Courtney's giving me all these things that are happening. I'm like, oh, man, who's got money for that? All right, you'll figure that out, guys. All right? So it's like we're just thanking God for what he's doing. He, we said, Lord, open our hands. Give us the kids. Give us the families. And look what God is doing in this church. Can we praise our great God this morning? He's a great God. He's worthy to be praised. And, and so, so today, we want to we wanna just honor the Lord and dedicate her to the Lord. And uh, let, let's pray, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you. And I thank you for Josh and Stephanie, Lord. They love you. They love each other. And they love their children. God, as they stand before you today, as did Hannah in, in 1 Samuel, as she dedicated Samuel to the Lord, Lord, we dedicate Christine Leah to you. We thank you that you have given this family these beautiful children. And we ask that you'll do many great and mighty things in their lives. Lord, we long for the day when Christine will, when she will will come to know you personally as her personal Savior. When she will trust you and know you and grow in her faith. And uh, Lord, uh, we we thank you for Cadence up here and, uh, and just this entire family. And we lift them up before you. Lord, I thank you for our children's ministry, Lord. Thank you for Courtney and her team down there as we are preparing to change lives, to invest, to pour pour in one week at a time and watch a life grow and watch a life change. Lord, you're worthy to be praised and we lift this family and dedicate them in your name. In your name we pray, amen. Let's give this family a hand, huh? Amen. Well, good morning. We give God another hand. Isn't that awesome to celebrate that at this church? It's great. 
But I just have a couple things to highlight. We just want to welcome you all. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're brand new with us, just find us in the in the lobby. We'd love to connect with you and just find out more about your story. And so just a few things to highlight as you pass the friendship folders. We just want to highlight just that on March 24th, we're having our extreme egg hunt. Information is also in your bulletin. It's available online. Free tickets are available online as well at our website. And so if you have more questions about that, feel free to grab one of us in the lobby or you can email the office and just let us know if you have any questions or anything we can do to help. Um, On March 29th and March 30th is going to be our Good Friday service. It's going to be on Thursday and Friday, 7 o'clock. It's going to be a night of worship and communion. And we're really excited about that night just to... Just to, just to talk about Jesus and to lift his name up. And we're excited about that. I know, me too. And uh, also on Easter, we have 6 o'clock on Saturday and then 9.30 and 11 on Sunday. And we have little invites as you leave if you didn't grab one. Um, or if you would like more, just come. You can also go get those at the Welcome Center as you leave. But we're so thankful you're here. And we just couldn't, we couldn't be more excited. It's just awesome. You guys sounded so good. And I come up, up front and I get to hear your voices. And it's just so cool when we can take all the noise and do this and just say, hey, Jesus, you're number one priority right now. Amen? Yep. It's okay to get excited about those things, right? Yep. So uh, as, as the ushers come forward for our morning offering, I want to turn our attention to 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and it says this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We can give knowing that money that God gives us, we can know that he's using it for his mission to see more people come to know Jesus, to see more lives changed. And so we give in that excitement. And so if you're new with us, feel free to let the plate pass. You are absolutely more than welcome to participate. This is for those who are regular in the grace of giving. Um, The next thing I want to mention is Zach and Skylar are going to lead us in a song after the offering, and it's called Oh Praise the Name, and some of you may have heard it, some of you may, it might be the first time, but this is going to be our Easter anthem. As we make Jesus number one and we proclaim his resurrection this Easter season, this is going to be our anthem as a church. And so as you sing it, as you listen to it, just let the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for you just settle in. Would you join me in prayer? God, we love you, and we thank you that at the end of the day, the beauty of our faith is not how we climbed the ladder to you, how we earned enough, how we did enough. We had all these things lined up. We had our ducks all in the row, God. It is not that. It is the beauty that you came to us first, that Jesus Christ came to this earth, walked the earth, died on a cross, defeated death, and now he reigns. God, that is because you made that happen. And God, I just pray this morning for those who are here, God, as we just sing this song and as we give now out of a heart of humility and sacrifice, God, that we would just let the truth of who you are just settle into our hearts and all that we are. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us first. In your awesome name we pray, amen. I cast my mind to Calvary when Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my savior that cursed tree his body and drenched in tears they laid him down in joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone messiah self and all
that one day we can look forward to that day where we see you face to face but for now that we can celebrate your triumphant work on the cross that you battled the grave and the third day you rose again and we can stand in this building and proclaim your name and praise you for what we know is true God soften our hearts as we hear your word we thank you for your son we pray in his name We've been in a series entitled Last Words. We're looking at the last words of Jesus as he hung on the cross for six hours from 9 a.m. till 3 p.m. And uh, we're coming in on the last two words that Jesus says, the last two phrases that he says. So um, as we get started into into this this morning, I want you to think about something that you've left that's been unfinished. Is there anything that you've ever done? You start a project and you said, wow, that project took me a couple years to finish. Or maybe it took me a couple months to finish or something of that nature. If that's you, and uh, boy, our kids are having a good time, aren't they? It's wonderful. But uh, if that's you and you say, wow, I, I, have, I have unfinished business, I, 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 you know, I want you to think about that this morning. Because here, here, I was thinking about my father-in-law. You know, the word was that he, he had dug a hole in the backyard uh, where he lived. They lived out on four acres. He had, he had lived, in this back, uh, li- lived out in the country, and he wanted to have a, uh, an in-ground pool, you know, a cement pond, you know what I'm saying? So he wanted to have one of those, and I heard that he kept digging and digging and digging, and he never finished it. And so finally, after the kids left, he filled it back in, and it became a yard again, right? 
And so we all do projects like that where we start and then we never finish. We start and never finish. I know for my house, it took me like 10 years to get my basement finished, right? Some people can do that in three months. They can do it in two weeks. But for me, it was, uh, it, it was, a, it was a process of getting that going. So uh, I want you to think this morning about the work of Jesus, though. Jesus said this in John chapter 4. Before he ever went to the cross, he said, John 4, 34, he says that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's why Jesus came, was to finish the work that God the Father had called for him to do. So here's God the Son, and, uh, and he, has a, he has a job to do. The Father has sent him to do something. So I want you to think about this this morning, because his job was to finish the work that the Father had for him. So as you remember that, because as we go through this statement this morning, it's pretty powerful. We're picking up in John 19, verse 28 through 30, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 28, a little bit of a recap from last week. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Remember, we said that he was thirsty for you. He, he thirsts for you. Um, he, he, the whole reason he went to the cross was for you, so that you could know him, so that you could have eternal life. He thirsts for the Father. At this point, the Father had turned his back on him, and uh, because, because there was separation, sin separates us from God. And so as, as the Father had, had the, back, the back was turned, um, he experienced that separation. So he's thirsting for this relationship to be restored with the Father. And then he thirsts, not only for that, he, he's thirsting for water. Because he has an important statement that he's about to make. Uh, verse 29, now a vessel of sour water, sour wine slash vinegar was sitting there. And they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Uh, this word here, it is finished, is one of the most powerful words. You know, everything, everything in the Bible is powerful. There's not one word in there that you, that you want to overlook, okay? Yet alone, on top of that, every word that Jesus says is powerful. So when you're seeing the red letters, if you have a, a Bible that has a red letter edition and, and you see those red letters, it means that Jesus is talking, that jumps out even more. But it, now I want you to take it a step further and realize that of all the words that were said on the cross... This one is one of the most powerful. For it is finished, uh, is, is packed with so much here. It is actually a Greek word, because in that day they were speaking Greek. They were Greek speakers. And the Greek word is tetelestai. Would you say that with me? Tetelestai. Now, I don't often give you Greek words because we're not Greek, okay? Um, if we were in a Greek culture, it would make a lot of sense for me to give you all those Greek words. But this, every now and then, I'll give you a Greek word to give you a little bit more of the color of the meaning. To let you see some of the depth. So tetelestai means this. It means to end, to complete, to pay in full. And it had many different usages. So when Jesus is on the cross and he says, it is finished, people, a lot of people had a lot of different ideas. Why, I would assume that the, 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 the very people who were crucifying the Roman soldiers, those Roman soldiers, they were thinking, well, it's finished. Another day of work is over. It's completed. Uh, it was just a, 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 any, any normal day for the Roman soldiers who were crucifying Jesus. Uh, they, were, they were used to Roman crucifixions, and so they knew that, okay, this is done, and, uh, and, and so this revolutionary guy is over. They kind of, many of them thought he was kind of strange. Maybe some thought he was uh, delusional, but they said, all right, he's done. It's finished. Um, how about the Roman leaders? They thought our competition is now finished. I'm sorry, the religious leaders, they thought our competition is now finished. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, because Jesus claimed to be God. He said, I and the Father are one. There was a direct competition between Jesus and, and these, uh, the religious leaders. So they're thinking, well, good, it's over, it's finished, that battle's done. Uh, how about Pilate, the governor? He's thinking, well... That, that political nightmare is over. I'm done with that. I can close the chapter on that. How about the, uh, the, the disciples? What were they thinking? Uh, it was just a few days ago, a week before this, they're thinking about Palm Sunday. They're thinking about that Jesus is going to be the king. 
They're thinking, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. That we're, we're going we're to, he's going to reign our kingdom and we're going to be part of his kingdom. They would often ask him who will be greatest in his kingdom. So they were thinking of a, of a political thing where he would take over and be, be in charge. And so, so they had a lot of different thoughts. And then even the devil, even the devil probably thought, he's finished. It's over. I'm done. But I want to encourage you this morning. On the cross, Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. And when he gave this word to Telestai, it is finished. He wasn't saying, I am done. No, 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 no. He wasn't done. He was done. It was completing the sacrifice. There was more to the story, and Sunday was coming. Easter Sunday was about to come, and, and it would validate everything that ever happened there. But here he is on the cross. He yells to Telestai. And what was finished? Was it just his suffering was done? His humiliation? His pain? Well, there's so much more. According to Warren Wiersbe, you could use, use this word in, in multiple different ways. You could use tetelestai if you were a servant to say, all right, my boss gave me a job. It's completed. Tetelestai. It's finished. You could use it if you were an artist. An artist would say, oh, man, you know, you work so hard. And when he, he put his last, last stroke of paint on, he could stand back and say, tetelestai. It's finished. Uh, an accountant. An accountant could take it, and as Warren Wiersbe says, he says that an accountant could look at it and say, all right, my work is done, I, my spreadsheets are all over, and they could say, tetelestai, it's done, it's paid in full. A priest, a priest could say that the perfect offering had been given uh, as they went through the sacrificial system where they slayed the lambs. He could say, tetelestai, the perfect offering has been given, it is finished. J.C. Ryle, Ryle, he wrote this. He said, it is surely not too much to say that of all the seven sayings of Christ on the cross, none is more remarkable than tetelestai. So this word tetelestai, it's where we translate it is finished. Jesus cried out one word. He cries, I thirst. They give him something to drink. And then he cries out, tetelestai. And when he did, he sent a huge message that maybe not everybody understood. I'd like to give you on the back of your notes, so there's four thoughts this morning uh, about this word to Telestai, about what Jesus said. Number one, he was fulfilling the promise. God fulfilled his promises. His promises were fulfilled. Last week we talked about 380 promises that were fulfilled. Luke chapter 24 uh, talks about uh, two guys that were walking on a road. And as they're walking on the road, this is after Jesus has risen from the dead. They're down. They're depressed. They're kind of like in, in grief mode. And, uh, and they're, they're just talking about like what a shame it was that this Jesus had to die and, and couldn't believe that they were there and, and this is all over. And then Jesus joins them. The resurrected Lord joins them and they don't recognize him. And as they're, as they're walking down this road, they don't recognize him. Jesus starts having a conversation with them. And he takes them and he says, well, remember this? Remember that? And he takes all these promises from the Old Testament and they come to life for these two men. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 44. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Uh, it wasn't until they broke bread that uh, they had this fellowship that all of a sudden they recognized him. And he says, it, look, this is what I was trying to tell you. And he says, remember, we're walking down the road. I've been telling you. Everything that Moses said, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, there were promises. There were pictures. There were, there were, there were um, all kind of promises that God was saying that, hey, I'm going to take care of your sin issue. The prophets, we know throughout all the Old Testament scriptures, we can see Jesus. Now, this is very interesting. You can go through the Old Testament, and you won't see the name Jesus there, but you will find Jesus there. Uh, You will find every book points to Jesus. Every book points to Jesus. You'll see, like in the Old Testament, whenever they they were to have the Passover, the Jews celebrated the Passover, put the blood on the doorpost, on the top and on the sides of the doorpost. God said, I will pass over the house that has the blood. Uh, the, the death angel would not come in at that point and harm, uh, harm, harm the people. So at that, 
that was a sign for us. It was a picture because today, if you have the blood of Christ, you put the blood of Christ over your heart, God says you're my child. God says that your sins are forgiven. And that's so powerful from an almighty God. Uh, he told them, then he opened their minds, verse 45, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Folks, you'll never get to know God without his word. Don't base your spiritual life on feelings, on emotions, because feelings and emotions come. I said a few weeks ago, you can get a feeling from eating a burrito, and uh, that's not a good feeling. That's not a good feeling. Um, you want to get your spiritual life on God's word. And so there are days that I'm excited, days that I'm not excited. But I get my truth comes from God's word. And I want to encourage you, get into God's word. Read his word. Um, Use the Bible app. I use the Bible app. Uh, Let it read to you. You can even play it. But let him get into you. Because that's how he opens your mind so you can understand. Jesus does that. Verse 46, he told them, this is what is written, that the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of all sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, the next thing we have to consider this morning is this, that God has promises. You know, as we look through all those promises that have been fulfilled, God, you know, if it wasn't for God keeping his promises, do you realize that the earth wouldn't stay in orbit? The, the, the moon wouldn't stay in orbit? Uh, you know, we get all excited about, 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 uh, about the universe, its vastness, its greatness, But there are people who are so intelligent that have recorded for us that when the Little Dipper will come back in the constellation of stars. Which, by the way, when I was younger, up until like not too long ago, I thought the Little Dipper, I was looking for a roller coaster up there in the sky. Like the Little Dipper at Kennywood. I didn't know it was a soup ladle. I was like, oh, is that all? Okay. But uh, you, you see the Little Dipper up there in the sky. You see these constellations. Do you realize if God had not kept his promise, that star wouldn't come back around on its cycle? That, that this moon and this earth wouldn't come around on its cycle. The moon having a different cycle than the earth. And it wouldn't stay in, because God made the laws of physics. He made the laws of gravity. He made the laws of science. They're all his. And so he follows through. He keeps his promise. And so God made another promise. He said, the soul that sins, it must die. Now, we're very excited that gravity holds true. Um, gravity is, is very beneficial for us all. Uh, if it weren't, we'd be floating everywhere. God made another promise, the soul that sins, it must die. So the second thing I want to share with you today is that when Jesus said to tell us die, he said that God's justice had been satisfied. That's exactly what happened. His justice had been satisfied. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin once for all forever. And when he did that, the the justice of God. So God says the soul that sinneth, it must die. Without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. So what does Jesus do? God sends his own son, Jesus, God the Son, comes to the earth and goes to the cross, lives a perfect life, and dies a criminal's death. And he had to do that because our sin, my sin, and your sin was placed upon Jesus on the cross that day. And whenever whenever that happened, uh, whenever that price was being prayed, Jesus said, to tell us die. Jesus said, it's finished. The justice of God has been finished. It has been, it has been satisfied. Uh, we're on, we are completely unable to keep law, all of God's laws. There's no way that you could keep all of God's laws. As a matter of fact, Romans 8 verse 3 says this, that the law of Moses was unable to save us. That's the Ten Commandments, folks. It was unable to save you. If you're basing how to get to heaven on the fact that you try to do the Ten Commandments, it says right here that the law cannot save us. Because of the weakness of our sinful nature. In other words, there's no way that you can attain this. You can't live this perfect life. Uh, Jesus said, uh, the law says that you shall not commit adultery. But Jesus said, if you have committed adultery in your heart, he says, if you've ever looked upon a woman to lust, then you've committed adultery in your heart. That basically just took every man, said we're all done. Every man's been there, right? That's, that's exactly where it's at. Uh, you know, you say, well, I don't lie. I don't steal. Really? You've never stolen anybody's joy? You might not have stolen something, but you've never stolen anybody's joy? 
I mean, do you see this? We are fallen, so the law cannot save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So, the next part of the verse says, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He declared an end to the control of sin. You don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to be controlled by the enemy. You don't have to be controlled by habits. You don't have to be controlled by sin. Sin robs us. It destroys us. It's a thief. It takes all of your joy. It takes all of your energy and makes you into a slave. And God says, I have come that they don't have to live under the control of sin anymore. Verse 4, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Uh, Justice required that lawbreakers pay a penalty, and Jesus paid that penalty. Hebrews 5, 9, he became the source of our eternal salvation for all who obey, for all who have trusted him. He became the source of eternal salvation. That's it. It's in Christ Jesus. Romans 10, 4. Uh, It says, for Christ is the end of the law, and he is righteousness, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law. In Christ. Listen, I don't have to go under the Old Testament system. There There were legal laws. There were ceremonial laws. And there were moral laws. Now today, we still have to live by the moral law. We have, we have morals. We, you know, I can't just go out and, and do whatever I want to do. Um, but listen, there's so many of these other things. Now, if I break those laws, God took care of that on the cross. He ended all those ceremonial laws. They're gone. He ended all those, uh, you read so much things in the Old Testament. It's like, wow, you know what? I don't have to go slay an animal and put it on the altar. Aren't you thanking God for that? Could you imagine if I said, okay, next week's Passover. Everybody come with a lamb and, and, and we'll kill him in the foyer and we'll just lay him up here, right? And I'd be like, Jim Watts, get your gloves on, right? We'll, we'll make this thing go. Um, God said, that system is done. It's done. It's finished. It's over. It is to telestai. Hebrews says that the law became obsolete when Christ died on the cross because it could not get us to heaven. It could not get us to God. All it was was a teacher. It taught you to know that you needed God. He paid a debt that you could not pay. You owe a debt that you could not pay. Number three, my debt was paid in full. My debt was paid in full. And as you think about that this morning, I want you to understand, when Jesus said to Telestai, your debt was paid in full. I'm going to ask these guys to get ready to, uh, to turn the, we're going to play a video here. I want you to, to watch this. Th- this is a short little clip. It's from a movie um, called Les Mis. And this is where Jean Valjean goes in and he hides out in the priest house. So I want you this morning to be thinking uh, about the sacrifice that God did about your debt being paid as you watch this video illustration.
So we'll use wooden spoons. I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, and... thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madame Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. That's a picture of what Jesus did for us. When he said, it is finished. When he said to Telestai, he paid in full your debt. We're like Jean Valjean. We hit God in the face all the time. We don't trust him. We think that he doesn't know what he's doing. We doubt his plans. We basically are like the, cru like, the, like the soldiers spitting on his face and mocking him over and over and over. And then when the law comes in, just like the priest in there, he, let, he didn't press charges. He let it go. You know what God did? God pressed charges, but he pressed charges on his son. And the debt was paid once and for all forever so that you may have eternal life. And I feel like this. My hands are like this. And the cuffs are coming off. And I'm saying, God, you're really going to let me go? Just like Jean Valjean. You're really going to let me go? And I'm like that. You're really going to let me go? Because my debt has been paid in full. You know, Jesus paid the debt in full. He finished the enemy Jesus crushed the enemy. You, ha you no longer have to be, be cowering to temptation. You don't have to cower to condemnation because Jesus paid it in full. Once for all, forever. The enemy, he is done. Oh, sure, he's out there tempting us, but guess what? One day, and it's coming, he will be put into the lake of fire, it tells us in the book of Revelation. He will be cast away, and there will be never, 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 we'll never deal with another temptation because we'll be in the glory of God Almighty. That's the greatest part about heaven is there will be no temptation, there will be no sorrow, none of that will be there because Satan is cast away. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to come to Jesus and accept his sacrifice. It is finished but will you accept it? That's bound prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning and no one looking around, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to trust him. And we're going to close our service in just a moment with a baptism. And those that are getting baptized will go, go in the back and get ready. And uh, as, as they're preparing, we're just going to close with a, a moment of response. And I'm going to ask you this morning to respond to Jesus. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin, and he came back to life once and for all, forever. And he offers you 
the finished work, to telestai, the stamp upon your soul says paid in full. To telestai was done at the cross for you. So I ask you this morning, will you open your heart to Jesus? Will you trust him? Will you, will you, will you just, just call out to him? You say, but Ken, I deserve, I, I, I'm messed up. I have all this pain, but, but you don't understand my struggles. I don't but I know there's a God who does. So I ask you this morning to open your heart. It's that simple. Scriptures tell us, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Saved from the punishment of your sin. This morning I ask, if that's you, would you just pray to God something like this and just just repeat after me quietly in your heart to God. Just say, dear God, I'm a sinner. I deserve to be separated from you forever. But you died on the cross, God. Jesus paid the penalty for me. And he came back to life again. And I accept your offer of eternal life today. I accept your offer of joy, of peace. I accept you. I'm going to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer today, stop by and tell somebody. Stop by our welcome center. Say, hey, I prayed today. What's my next step? Stop by and tell somebody that you care about. Say, I need, I, you brought me here. You care about me. I, I, I want you to know, today God did something in my heart. I don't even understand it. I, need, I, I want some more help. Share that with somebody. And for others, maybe you've been a follower of Christ and you had a salvation experience many years ago, but maybe you need to... to Commit to finishing the work that God's called you to do. Philippians 1, 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will remain, will, 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 will complete it, will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. Lord, be with your people as they respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. As we respond to God's word, Praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise He.